This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Bite Size Business Breakfast. A very wet Monday morning, February the 12th. Tom Rich and Brandy making it into the studio. But the majority of our guests this morning, very wisely, staying at home and coming to us on Teams. It has been all about the weather. It has also been all about the World Government Summit, including one of the big announcements, the flying taxis, which, on a day like today... I can see the use case. Ahmed Barouzian is the CEO of the Public Transport Agency at the RTA, gave us a stellar interview uh, talking through the, the use case, talking through the deal that they have signed and the manufacturing and staffing possibilities for those aerial taxis. Uh, we've also been having a look at the Super Bowl. Arnold Vashir is founder and head of strategy at Tonic International. The Taylor Swift effect on the Super Bowl means that you've got companies like L'Oreal and ELF Cosmetics advertising for the first time ever. He crunches the numbers. Where well, we got a big focus today on the weather. Don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Looking at the impact on the roads, but also in the skies, Brandy Scott. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We have been speaking to the man in charge of getting the planes up and down, Paul Griffiths, CEO of Dubai Airports, asking him what the inclement weather means for arrival and departures at DXB. We run a very tight ship here at Dubai International and we use pretty much all of our capacity when the weather is fine. And of course, when the weather isn't fine, as it isn't today, we have to ensure a much wider separation between arrivals and departures, which means a lower rate of flow for the aeroplanes. So obviously, we have got some delays on departure and arrival. In fact, I have literally touched down from Zurich. And in fact, we were held for a bit. But actually, the crew did a great job, got us down very smoothly and away. So um, there will be delays, I think, allow extra time on the roads, allow extra time at the airport and do expect a bit of delay, but we promise we'll look after each and every one of our customers. Are those delays just because of reduced visibility with us, Paul, this morning? Pretty much, yes. Um, when you don't have uh, a clear day, you have to actually space the aeroplanes out a little more uh, than you would do when the weather is fine, particularly on arrival, and that obviously reduces the flow rate below the scheduled number of movements that we'd normally have in every hour. So it does mean there's going to be a bit of a delay, but there's plenty of entertainment options at the airports, and we will make sure that everyone is looked after. And what does it mean for those in the control tower and indeed for pilots of people just circling more? Well, it does mean that there's going to be more um, holding uh, and aircraft routing over different uh, parts of the UAE before they can be sequenced for landing. So that does mean a little bit more of a delay on arrival. And then obviously uh, that uh, does affect the departure flow rate as well. So it does mean a bit of delay, but um, operations actually are significantly Um, normal and I've just been on a little tour of the airport and glad to see all the boys and girls doing a great job and uh, we're keeping everything moving as much as we can. And Paul Griffith, CEO of Dubai Airports. He's watching the skies, we've been watching the roads. Yeah, Nadia Swan and the team at the AR and News Centre, what are the authorities telling us? What do we know? 
So the information we've had from the National Centre of Meteorology, they issued a weather alert first thing this morning and predicting heavy rain, lightning, thunder and hail affecting large parts of the country. So the rainfall will be heavy in some parts and they're saying that that may actually lead to local flooding as well. We've got highs of about 21, but it did drop overnight down to 7 degrees over at uh, Jabal Jason in Ras Um Mainly the winds are going to be sort of 15 to 25, but there will be some active gusts apparently of 7 70 uh, kilometres per hour and we are going to have reduced visibility as well. They are predicting 50 to 75 centimetres of rain that's going to be expected during the course of today. That is going to continue until Tuesday probably, hoping to clear up by uh, Tuesday morning in fact, Richard. Meanwhile, the authorities are saying if you can work from home and if you have permission from your companies and employers to work from home, then to do so because of the driving conditions on the road. Uh, They have also said though that um, um, government public schools and higher federal institution education authorities will be remote uh, learning from today due to the weather. Private universities, they can decide depending on the conditions and how safe it is for people to go there. Dubai's Knowledge and Human Development Authority, they've advised schools to be flexible and offer remote learning conditions as well. And they're saying also that there will be exceptions, however, for people who need to be physically in place to carry out their job properly. And a warning from Dubai police as well, just saying, you know, don't feel that you have to go down the beach and have a look at it firsthand and and just stay away from from the beaches under the current conditions. Certainly wet and blustery down at the World Government Summit, which threw up in its doors just a a few minutes ago for day one. I was down there yesterday for the preamble and, yep, it was definitely bring your hat and coat time down there. had my leather jacket zipped up tight and this is what I found out. So an early start at what they're calling Day Zero at the World Government Summit. And kicking things off, we had Kristalina Georgieva, the boss of the International Monetary Fund. Now, she'd flown in here from Washington, D.C., and she had to brave the elements to get here. Well, she needed an umbrella for the short walk from the Mina Salam Hotel to the conference centre. But in sunnier times the day before, she recorded this message in front of the Burj Al Arab. News for the uh, Gulf is good growth is going up but it is happening still in a very uh, high level of unpredictability in the world and of course unfortunately under the shadow of the uh, Israel-Gaza conflict. As for Monday, officially day one of the World Government Summit, well, that's where we have more than a sprinkling of star quality. For example, you've got Jason Huang speaking. He's the CEO and founder of NVIDIA, one of the companies leading the global push for AI at the moment. Computing advance has gone to light speed. The warp drive engine is accelerated computing. And the energy source is AI. And he's in conversation, not surprisingly, with another of them, the UAE's Minister of Artificial Intelligence, Omar Al-Alama. Then, a little bit later on today, Tucker Carlson, the American journalist, fresh from his interview with Vladimir Putin. We're in Moscow tonight. We're here to interview the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. Here's why we're doing it. First, because it's our job. We're in journalism. Our duty is to inform people. Lots to cover down at the World Government Summit all of this week. 
Tom, you're going to be down there tomorrow, aren't you? Big focus on many things, including artificial intelligence, right? Yeah, that's one of the big focuses. Uh, tomorrow, obviously, there are sort of themes running through the World Government Summit. Sustainability for very much playing its part today. Uh, the global work trends and shifts as well for, for governments moving forward. Uh, but you can't get away from uh, the AI conversation. Government's approach to AI, how do you embrace it? How do you regulate it? Uh, how do you um, how do you t- how do you enthuse populations uh, who might be fearing the future, etc.? So yeah, I'm down there tomorrow. Well, hopefully, unless it's floated away or something like that, it might be it might be transferred to the Ark or something like that. Given what's happening. Today. We need a bigger boat. They might need a bigger boat. They might need a boat, let alone a bigger boat. They might just need a boat. Uh, do you know what? I was down at um, a big uh, ministerial summit for Labour ministers, the Abu Dhabi Dialogues at the weekend, um, looking out across Al Jadef, where they are indeed building a very large boat next to the library. Perfect. That'll do for the next World Government Summit. The delegates went on two by two. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. We are going to look at one of our top stories this morning, and that is the RTA signing off on a flying taxi deal with Joby Aviation that could see craft in the air by the end of 2025. Very pleased to be joined by the CEO of the RTA's public transport agency, Ahmed Barouzian. Ahmed, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Brandy, and thank you for having me. What exactly have you agreed with Joby Aviation? Um, so basically yesterday was a very important milestone in our journey towards uh, hopefully launching an air taxi service in Dubai over the next couple of years. Um, so we actually having two uh, major partners for this project, international partners. Joby Aviation uh, will be responsible for providing the aircrafts and operating and maintaining them once the service starts, hopefully in 2026. And our second partner is uh, Skyport Infrastructure. And uh, their job will be to actually help us uh, build the vertiports, which will be used as the takeoff and landing sites for uh, the service. So what needs to happen between now and 2025 to get both the infrastructure and those craft ready? Yeah, so many things, actually. So what we've done is for the, fa- for the first phase of the project, uh, which, as I said, will hopefully be launched in 2026, we've already identified four areas. Um, where the vertiports will be established. Um, one is close to the uh, to the airport. Uh, the other one is in the downtown around the Burj Khalifa area. Uh, we also have a vertiport in um, Palm Jumeirah and another one in uh, Dubai Marina. So those will be the four areas where hopefully the uh, four vertiports will be built starting later this year. So we'll start the infrastructure building uh, later this year. Um, as we speak, and of course, uh, this is an ongoing process, Joby Aviation and the federal uh, aviation authorities in the U.S. are undergoing um, uh, certification of the aircraft. And that's, of course, being closely monitored and supported by the um, aviation authorities here in the UAE and in Dubai at federal and local level. Um, and we expect that hopefully uh, sometime in 2025 we'll be doing testing of the air taxis here in Dubai. Um, And that will hopefully be the last step towards launching the service sometime in 2026. I understand that the aerial taxis are going to be manufactured here in Dubai. Whereabouts are you looking to do that? So initially, they won't be manufactured in Dubai. They'll be manufactured in the US. But we do have provisions in our contract that part of manufacturing will be transferred to Dubai, um, not at the beginning of the project, but over the duration of the project. But initially, the first six vehicles which will be received um, uh, to operate the first phase of the project in 2026, will be manufactured uh, in the U.S. As I said, the contractual agreement between us and Joby Aviation 
um, allows us and them to explore potentially moving parts of the manufacturing process here into the UAE. What kind of parts could be moved here? What would make sense? So potentially the rotors, uh, you know, some of the mechanical uh, parts as well. Um, of course, it is also also um, important to mention there's a fully electric uh, vehicle as well, uh, extremely quiet, uh, highly safe compared to helicopters and other aircraft. So uh, uh, it's not been decided exactly what parts yet, but potentially uh, some parts of the manufacturing are, are, are potential for movement, moving here into the area. Okay, so starting with six craft, what are the plans to scale? Um, well, we're taking it step by step, of course. This is the first of its kind service. Um, we expect that initially it will be probably um, very attractive for tourists who you know, want to see the city from, from the skies. Um, also for business people who, you know, time for them is a premium. So we're estimating, for example, a trip from the airport Vertiport to um, the Palm Jumeirah Vertiport to take approximately seven to ten minutes, which is, you know, considerably less than um, a car in traffic. So uh, it will be attractive to certain segments of the population. Now, um, we are also not establishing this service just for it to be um, for high-end use. Um, eventually, we believe that the prices of manufacturing will come down and the price of the service will also be very equivalent to an Uber ride, for example, today here in Dubai. So we are hoping that it will have uh, quite a big uptake. Um, and, of course, we'll be monitoring the demand. And as it increases, of course, planning for um, future phases of the project and expansions. How? Also, the, the, uh, sorry, I, I also mm-hmm. want to mention that the range of the vehicle uh, allows it to potentially do intercity trips as well. So maybe also in the future, after the first phase, hopefully we launch it successfully, we can potentially also make trips you know, to, to, to other Emirates as well. Okay, so eventually coming down potentially to the price of an Uber, what kind of price range, though, are you looking at starting at? Um, we haven't decided. It's a bit too early for that yet. But definitely the, um, the, the, the business model, the way it's been structured, um, is that it needs to be competitive because it depends. the success of the service depends on the demand and the uptake. So um, it, that's the way that we have structured the contract between us and Joby to ensure that um, price is going to be competitive even from day one. Um, it may be a bit higher than an Uber trip in day one. We haven't decided yet, as I said, the price. But eventually, the idea is that this is not a service designed only for uh, you know people who are business people or tourists. It is actually potentially going to be designed for you know people who want to get from point A to point B in a faster way and are willing to pay a reasonable price for that. And by reasonable, I mean something in the range of an Uber trip. And when it does scale up, how many aerial taxis could our skies actually cope with? How large could this get? So potentially it could, it could be, uh, I mean, we are looking at it to become a, um, a very important part of the, uh, you know, the mobility ecosystem here in the city of Dubai. Um, of course, uh, planning of the, uh, of the routes, um, you know, of the airspace is, is all done with the aviation authorities. And uh, we have very strong partnerships, of course, with the Dubai Civil Aviation Authority, the Federal Aviation Authorities. So definitely our aim is to, uh, is to scale. That's for sure. What does it actually require in terms of manpower? What extra staff and expertise is this going to need? Um, so basically, the the, uh, the aircraft will have a pilot uh, and, and and four passengers. So the aircraft that we have chosen with Joby is a five-seater, uh, um, as I said, with a pilot and four passengers. Uh, eventually, the aim, um, you know, a few years after uh, launching, is that Joby has a, a strategy to move towards autonomy. So definitely, there is a vision to have this become an autonomous uh, air taxi in the future, but that's a little bit further uh, down the line. 
the vertiports will require of course uh, you know uh, staff in order to uh, to manage so uh, there will be of course uh, security uh, customer service staff etc so um, if you think about it it wouldn't be very different from for example uh, a metro station or a bus station minimum number of staff but pretty much people you know helping themselves and uh, uh, you know using the service so we we have not yet designed the customer experience but it is very very important that the customer experience is very seamless and very fast because there's no point having a trip that takes, you know, seven to ten minutes, for example, from one side of town to another, but then it takes very long and, and, and a very complicated process for people to, to board uh, the aircraft. So we're looking for it to be as simple as boarding a taxi or an Uber, uh, something, uh, you know, similar to that experience, basically. And what kind of cost are we talking at to run one of these uh, flying taxis? What's the, the flight cost? And, and the maintenance line. So, so um, the way that the contract is structured between the RTA and Joby, um, it's it's a it's a private public partnership where the RTA is not investing in uh, in capital costs. So we are not. Joby is bringing the vehicles over to Dubai. They are operating and maintaining. So the operation and maintenance cost is on Joby. The RTA is providing certain uh, you know government if you like uh, benefits uh to joby in order to allow joby to uh to recoup its uh, its uh, investment having said that because it is a uh, fully electric uh, vehicle just like fully electric car the maintenance costs are uh, are, are quite low uh and and it's it's not a very uh, you know from joby's perspective it's not a very complex vehicle to maintain um and it has been designed as such to make it uh, you know quite uh, competitive in terms of uh, operation and uh, maintenance costs Thank you very much for all that information and congratulations, Mabrook, on that deal signing. Ahmed Barouzian is the CEO of the RTA's Public Transport Agency, uh, giving us a bit of an insight into how that deal for flying taxis uh, will work end of 2025, beginning of 2026, to have them in the air. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Well, let's get more on that story now. Super Bowl ended about half an hour, 45 minutes ago. Victory for the Kansas City Chiefs. But on the business breakfast, we're all about the money. We're all about the dollars and cents. And there were 650 million of them spent on advertising, according to one advertising agency. It is a record, six to seven million dollars per advert. Joining us in the studio now to give us some more insight is the CEO of Tonic International, an advertising agency, Arno Vacher. Arno, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, it's very nice to see you, to see you be here. So, so, Record year for advertising for the Super Bowl. Always a big event, but never more so than this year. Was that the Taylor Swift effect? I think it's been growing quite a lot the last three, four years. There's been an inflation, I think, about 20-something percent in the last three years. So from five and a half million for a 30-second commercial to about seven million to a 30-second commercial. Just put things into perspective. (laughs) So it's about 90 minutes also, which I think is interesting. If you look at the time for the gameplay and the time for the advertising, I think it's about the same. Uh, so uh, another statistic that I thought was interesting beyond Taylor Swift is about 25% of people watch the Super Bowl for the advertising. Uh, it's, it's an incredible audience if you think about it. So it's 110, 120 million or probably a lot more now with Taylor Swift uh, this season. But 25% of these is, is roughly 30 million people that are their captive audience to watch your ads. So I think that's, I, I think in itself, uh, a case study in, in effectiveness. Now you add Taylor Swift on top of that. And yeah, I think you have a wonderful classic game for the history lesson. And then same thing for advertising. 
So the the seven million dollars per thirty second advertising spot, you say, is just the beginning of the expenditure. Let's take a case study. You've been looking at the advert for Squarespace, which yes. is a company that makes websites in simple terms. Now they hired Martin Scorsese. A-list director to create their advert and it ran for nearly a minute and a half. I'm going to ask you to crunch the numbers on that but first of all let's have a quick listen to that advert. Reports of flying saucers are nothing new. These are routine sightings not isolated events. Are you seeing that? It's spinning. There's a whole swarm of them. Oh my god. They're all against the wind. All against the wind. Maybe wasted on radio but fair enough. What do you get? for, you say, as much as $50 million you think Squarespace has invested in this advert? Yeah, so uh, you, first you have a minute and a half of airspace. So let's say probably with some discounts, 20 million, give or take. Um, then you have Martin Scorsese only, you know, just probably the most famous living legend in cinema at the moment. Uh, red hot from his latest release. I don't know how much he charges for this. Let's say another 10 million. Then you have the production of this. So I've seen the copy. Uh, it's full of aliens, special effects. There's 30 or 40 different scenes. Add to this all the, 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 the behind the scene, which is also about a minute and a half plus another minute and a half. So you've got about four and a half minutes of movie directed by Martin Scorsese. High end, let's say another 20, 30 million. And here you are, you're $50 million. But again, let's say 50 million watch the, uh, this we're talking about a dollar per eyeball for Squarespace. I think it's a good deal. And you say that the build-up, that the, the social media coverage you get and the buzz is of huge value because you release the adverts days beforehand. Gone are the days when it would be released during the Super Bowl. They come out days before on social media and then you get a bit of hype afterwards. Yes, absolutely. So they released this, uh, I think, on Wednesday. So they've had almost a week to, uh, you know, at least four or five days of buzz. And it was, they, they, they broke the internet with this. I mean, Scorsese making, it's the first time Scorsese makes a commercial for the Super Bowl. He's done a lot of commercials in the past, uh, but this is the first one for the Super Bowl. It's a big story. And he's done it in a very, uh, in very intelligent way. Yeah, the, you know, the behind the scenes is with his daughter showing him how to build a website for the aliens, uh, so it's weaved into storytelling. It's very, very smart. It's, uh, I think it, it works well. Now, it's still $50 million. Not everybody's got $50 million to spend uh, or to invest uh, in, in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think it would be interesting to ask uh, ChatGPT if it's the better deal to just ride that wave of, of around the Super Bowl or pre-Super Bowl uh, because some companies spend a few million dollars and still get huge amount of... of of PR and, and, and get talked about because they are around the Super Bowl. So, well, I'm, I'm sure our chief commercial officer, Josh Bastide, if he's listening, would be happy to help companies <laughs> spend their $50 million on a range of advertising and related digital content. Now, let's look at some of the other adverts. You've picked out one by Uber Eats. They've gone down the celebrity route. So Squarespace went celebrity director, Martin Scorsese. Uber Eats have gone celebrities. Jennifer Aniston and Dave Schwimmer formerly of Friends. And the shtick of this advert, again, it's designed for TV, not radio, is that to remember something like Uber Eats, you've got to forget something else. And the whole shtick, picture the scene, Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer reuniting on set and Jennifer Aniston fails to recognise him. Well, you know what they say, in order to remember something, you've got to forget something else. Okay. Have we met? Give me a hand. Worked together for 10 years. 
Ten years. Yeah. You were great. You still don't know, do you? I don't. Right. Like I forget ten years of my life. So Uber Eats have blown the budget on celebrities because Jennifer Aniston and Dave Schrimmer don't come cheap. Tom, you were watching that one as well. There's other celebrities as well. Did you spot a Beckham or two? Two Beckhams, Mr. and Mrs. in that one as well. Uh, him forgetting what band she was in, calling her Mrs. Pepper or something like that. Um, so, yeah, they've obviously splashed the cash. Does that work? Do you get an ROI for hiring those kind of celebrities, Arno? Not always, but I think in this case, yes. Uh, first of all, Friends is still extremely popular. Uh, the new generation is discovering Friends on Netflix, uh, and, and it still works. And, and clearly, this is about Friends. This is not about Jennifer Aniston or Schwimmer. This is really about Friends. And in that case, when it builds on the character and it's so likable... I think definitely it works. I think if you take the celebrity completely out of context and it's just a poster, uh, I don't think it works that well. I think it's not enough to just have the celebrity. You need the good storytelling around it as well. Finally, let's talk about what you've got you here, the Middle East advertising market at the moment, Dubai, the UAE. We're in Media City and the wider region. What's the story of 2024 so far? Good, bad or indifferent? It's uh, just started, so it's a bit difficult to speak about the industry at large. We have seen a huge growth uh, last year, and we see that continuing in the, in the new year. Um, Who's spending? A lot of advertisers that were not necessarily here before uh, that are enjoying the growth in the region. Uh, we're looking at a lot of Americans, Japanese companies that did not necessarily manage their marketing directly before that are now putting up, uh, I think, more Local and regional advertisers are spending more than before as well. Um, there is a new trend on media and, and better effectiveness and better use of data through AI. And so there's a lot of new tools that we are providing to our clients, for instance, that I'm sure a lot of other agencies are providing that help be more effective when you plan for your media. Therefore, you're more likely to know where your money is going and how effective it is. You're more likely to spend it. Great talk to you. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for getting up early. Super Bowl's just finished. Victory for the Kansas City Chiefs. Will it be victory for the advertisers as well? Arno Vacher, CEO of Tonic International. Thanks for your time. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Not many people hailing taxis at the moment on the roads to the UAE. Why? because a lot of people obviously staying home, heeding the advice of the authorities. Rain is still teeming down outside our studio this morning. There is uh, a recommendation from the authorities to work from home if you can, but obviously check with your boss in advance. However, if uh, you were heading to work, obviously one of the easiest and most convenient ways to get around this city is still using a taxi. However, it is getting more expensive, and it can be quite expensive, especially during the spikes during rush hour. But there's a new auction-based taxi hailing service being rolled out in Dubai uh, this month, which could end up reducing your fares. How so? Well, let's ask the founder and the CEO of Drive, Firdos Sheikh, who's been kind enough to join us live on Microsoft Teams on this wet morning here in Dubai. Firdos, thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you, Tom. Uh, nice to be here today. Interested to find out more about this. No shortage of new ride-hailing systems available across the UAE now, but you are the first decentralised ride-hailing system. What? Ex- explain more about the, the, the system itself and how it benefits us. 
Uh, see, uh, when we talk about how the system exists today, it's been controlled by ride hailing co companies where everything and anything that you do using a ride hailing platform is been decided for you by the taxi company that is running uh, the platform. And that's what we want to change. And that's why we call ourselves the first decentralized platform where you can make your own choices, be it uh, how much fare you're willing to pay, which driver you want to travel. So you get to make your own choices when we talk about something uh, which is decentralized, both driver and rider make their own choices. Uh, specifically when it comes to uh, things like search pricing where platform decides when there's a, a difference between demand and supply how much fare you should be paying instead of platform telling you you should be paying 2x of the price you decide for yourself that how much I'm willing to pay uh, when there is a difference in demand and supply uh, the idea of drive is very simple that we want to make sure when there is a driver and rider who exchange value among themselves, they also share reward among themselves. And that's how we also make sure driver get to 100% of the fare that you as a rider is paying for that ride. I'm sure we all, all are very well aware of the high commission that also exists in this space, which also increases the fare that we pay, but also decreases the money that a driver earn. In terms of your service as well, will it be subscription based or free, free for all? Uh, so for on the rider side, it's free for all. On the driver side, it's a subscription-based model. In terms of the sort of, you mentioned there how the drivers themselves will benefit, the win-win for everyone. Just explain to us uh, that in more detail, the guarantees that drivers get. So see, uh, because we don't have a profit motive in the fare that we charge from the user, yeah. that's where we are able to build something which is fair to both driver and rider. So uh, example, you know, absence of search price where you don't have to pay additionally at different point in the day. So our fare absolutely remains same throughout the day, but you also contribute to the higher earning for driver because now they're not getting a deduction of 20-30% on the fare that you are paying as a rider uh, but at the same time we don't add different multipliers to the fare uh, at different point in the day uh, making sure as a rider you're paying economical fare at the same time driver are earning more and uh, we do have like different plans for drivers to start with with what they can choose for themselves in terms of subscription be it a daily subscription that they start for a subscription which is uh, paid only when they are doing right initially and eventually they would move to better plans like monthly plan for themselves really like the idea now obviously the app and the website about to go live or have gone live already not yet. Uh, we are in process of getting everything finalized to uh, make the app live at this point. In terms, once the app goes live, uh, in terms of the sort of limi limousines, the cars uh, available, the vehicles that will be available to customers, uh, what will they be? Yeah, to start with, it will be limousine cars that mm -hmm. will be available for customers to book a drive. And obviously, this is a concept that you launched in India last year. Talk to me about the reception over in India uh, during last year. Yeah, so when we launched Drive in India, uh, so the concept of what we are building is also something that's been widely spoken as Imagine Uber on blockchain in the blockchain space. Uh, we're the only uh, decentralized ride hailing platform that exists and is live. We have more than 35,000 drivers 
350,000 users in the platform currently. We are live only in one city in India, which is Bangalore in India. I've got a very good response specifically on the driver side and on the rider side. And uh, there's this thing that always people ask me when they book a drive. It's like why the drivers are happy when they... Uh, pick you up at drive is because they're getting all the money that they deserve uh, so that's a very uh, good testimony for us mm. that uh, we uh, talk about a happy driver equals to a happier rider at drive platform really looking forward to the service fan of an auction at the best of times so an auction based taxi hailing service uh, much appreciated here in the region Firdos Sheikh is the founder and the CEO of drive that's d r i f e drive with a F, if you like. Uh, so they will be launching a little later on this month. Our thanks to Firdos for joining us live on the line. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.